Now, Pastor DeVacher uh, basically told me that you guys are going through a series on the steps to Christ, and uh, we, I'm going to preach on chapter 8 on growing up into Christ. Now, you know, in the Christian walk, uh, understanding how the process goes is difficult at times, where the Lord starts to show you things about yourself, and you're, you're like, Lord, you mean I have to get rid of this here? Oh, Lord, this is an uneasy feeling, right? And, and the thing is that we have to understand this is the process. And the Lord is doing something special within us because he wants to present us a certain way. Amen? And uh, I, I believe that, you know, it's a good thing. You know, when uh, we used to be disciplined as children at home, the parents, my parents would always say, well, we do this because we love you. And there are times where that's what God is telling us. He does things for us because he loves us. Amen? So we don't want to look at, at this as just discipline, but his love for us, and he wants to shape us and mold us into his character. Now, what's interesting here in this passage that we've read, Jesus is, is heading cl- uh, closer to the end of his ministry. And there's a, a quote in Desire of Ages where Sister White says that how we need to reflect at least an hour each day on the closing scenes of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to preach for an hour, okay? Just don't get nervous. And, but, but we need to reflect, okay, on what Jesus was doing prior to the cross and the closing scenes. And here, he's getting closer to the end of the scene, and he wants to teach his disciples certain lessons before he leaves. And you know, if the Lord is telling them that, look, I'm about to leave, I'm going to die, was that something that the disciples was happy about? No, you know, because they spent three and a half years with Jesus. That was their friend, their teacher, their father figure, a brother, right? And you could just imagine that they're like, wait a minute, are you going to leave us? And he's He's, he's saying, yes, I'm going to leave, but you're not going to be alone. And that's the special uh, thing about the gospel. And so when we look at here, here he's at the closing end of his ministry. And he says in the beginning of the first, in the first verse that I am the true what? Vine. Now, this is one of the, uh, one of the I am's in the Bible, in the book of John. Obviously, you know that he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. So you see Jesus is basically sharing that he is the true vibe. He, fine, he is the true connection. Okay? And here, Jesus is illustra- he's using an illustration of a great vineyard, and he wants to illustrate what does it mean to grow up into Christ? What does it mean to stay connected? So in in order for us to understand why he's sharing this with the disciples, let's look at the context. Let's look at some chapters prior to chapter 15. Turn me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And here, this is where we have the Last Supper. And many of us know that we, uh, um, we actually practice the Last Supper, and this is the, talking about the ordinance of humility, where Christ wanted to wash Peter's feet. 
And remember Peter's reaction that he didn't want Jesus to wash his feet, right? So let's look at verse 7 through 11. So here it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do that thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Talk about the washing of the feet. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And here in verse 11, or verse 10, it says, Jesus said unto, said to him, He that is washed neither is not saved to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. And here, Jesus is letting the disciples know that there are many of you that are clean, but there's one of you that is not clean. One of the disciples was not clean. And here, the disciples were confused, and after the washing of the feet, they actually had time where they broke bread together. And then Jesus told them that one of them is going to betray him. So they was talking amongst themselves. They wanted to know who it was. So here, when we go further down in verse 26, let's see what Jesus has to say here. In verse 26 of chapter 13, it says, Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. Could you just imagine that? Jesus spent three and a half years ministering with the disciples, including Judas. Judas came into the, to be a follower of Jesus Christ when he saw all the multitudes of people flocking after Jesus. And Jesus picked him to minister. He was an evangelist. And here he was going out, even casting out demons and healing the sick. This is what Judas was doing. But yet, he was not clean. So Jesus is letting him know, now he realized that he is the betrayer. He knew what he was doing. And Jesus says, look, what you have to do, do it quickly. Now, here Judas went about his business. And as Jesus and the disciples left, the upper room, they were going towards Gethsemane, and as they were going towards Gethsemane, they were passing through a great vineyard, and he gives an illustration. Because he's wanting to show the disciples what happened and how you could get to a point in your Christian experience where you won't leave me. What do you need to do to stay connected so you won't be like Judas? So as we go into, let's go to John chapter 15 now. John chapter 15, he's about to explain what does it mean to stay connected. And as you read verses 1 through 3, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, or vine dresser. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the, what, everyone? The word which I have spoken unto you. 
So here Jesus is explaining to the disciples the way you stay connected is to connect is for the branches to be connected to the vine. And you can see that the Godhead has a role to play for the salvation of souls. So you see Jesus is the vine, you see the Father is the vine dresser, and then you have the fruit, which is the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want you to think, why is Jesus sharing this at this moment? Again, we talked about, we just shared earlier, that the disciples were were wondering why Jesus had to leave. But he's trying to share with them and says, look, because I am leaving, because I want to be a blessing to others and throughout the world, This is how you can stay close to me. Make sure you stay connected with me. Now, what's interesting here is that when you look at him saying that I am the true vine, the Jews had always regarded the most notable plant and a type type of all that was powerful, excellent, and fruitful. Israel has been represented as a vine. God's people from the beginning were represented as a vine. When you look at Psalm 80, verse 8, it says, God has brought the vine out of Egypt. Jeremiah 2.21, God planted Israel as a noble vine. Israel was the channel that through which God's covenant blessing flowed to the world. But Israel proved to be fruitless in an unfaithful vine. And you see that in Hosea chapter 10, verse 1, Israel is an empty vine. He bring forth Fruit unto himself. This is why God's people worship was, was the one to share the good news, share the gospel with everyone, but they started to look unto themselves, and they became unfruitful. An empty vine. You know, a, a pastor illustrated this one time that um, when, when, when Jesus the reason why he picked Israel to be a blessing to many nations is that it's, it's, uh, he illustrated a mailman who had a bag full of mail. And his job was to go out and give out the mail to every nation to give them the good news. But what happened with Israel, they got caught up that they were called, that they kept all the mail to themselves. So Jesus came down, not only just to die for our sins, but also to show them how it's done. He was the true Israel. And he says, look, I'm going to come down to earth and I'm going to share the mail, the gospel. Right? And that's why even God is calling us as Seventh-day Adventists. I believe God is calling us to share the gospel. Not to keep it to ourselves, but to share the good news. And that's our purpose. So he's saying to the disciples, as the branches, look, stay connected because I'm going to use you to share the good news. So we see here that Israel was supposed to be uh, the blessing among all the nations, but Jesus came as the true Israel and the true vine. Now it's interesting, he says that the father is the vine dresser. He has two primary roles here, and you see here in verse 2 that every branch in me that heareth not, of, not, heareth not fruit, beareth not fruit, excuse me, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, 
he purges it and make and bring forth more fruit. So his duty, the father, is to take away the branches that are not doing too well. They are not being connected. And that's what happened with Judas because Judas, didn't want, he didn't want to surrender fully. He didn't want to surrender fully. That means he did things with Jesus. He was still there, but he didn't want to give it his all. So the vine dresser has, a, so has an intricate role in, this, in the gospel of salvation, in the salvation of souls. So here he's telling the disciples every branch needs to be, you know, is connected, and there are some that the Lord takes and prunes them, and so they can bear more fruit. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. Such there is no law. That means there's no law against it. That was the embodiment of Christ. Christ was all those things. And he's saying, look, if you stay connected with me, this is what you're going to become. Amen. The, you know, Christians are supposed to be the happiest people on earth. Isn't that true? I'm learning that a lot. <laughs> okay? So, so the whole thing is this, that this is what we're supposed to be like. See, and, and, and what's interesting is the vine dresser, he prunes. And vine dressers uses a pruning knife to cut away unhealthy shoots, removing un, unwanted bugs, ripping out diseased parts. That's what a vine dresser does. Now, that's not a, I, I'm pretty sure that's not a good feeling, isn't it? Where, where the Lord is trying to remove things out of us, it's not easy, right? And you're like, Lord, please, really? Not now. I enjoy this. The cutting is so difficult, right? So, so the interesting thing is, is when you look at John chapter 15, again, verses 3 and 4, what is really involved in a living, vital relationship with God? Here it says in verses 3 and 4, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Now, what, when we talk about being in Christ, walking in the footsteps of Christ, what does that look like? What does that look like? Many people don't even know. Even though they've been in church, they don't know what that is. Okay? Now, the word abide means to remain or to stay. Right? So that means we need to remain in Christ. And we were like, yeah, that's right. That's so simple. But what does, that, what, what does that look like? You know, what's interesting is that Jesus is making a plea to the branches. Because remember, every branch is connected, but some are going to be withered away. But he's letting the ones know that are withering away that, look, I'm making a plea to you that you need to stay with me. You need to remain with me. Now, the thing is we must understand, in our Christian walk, is not easy. Growing up in New York City, city mentality, and, um, I, I, I used to think that I could do everything on my own. Every time I need something, I'm pretty sure I could get it from some of my friends or family members. I just do whatever I need to do to get what I want. Then when Jesus came into my life, he says, listen, now you need to focus on me and depend on me, 
really? I usually take th- do things on my own. So when things would happen, I'm like, look, I don't need Christ. I could do this. When I, when I saw certain character flaws, I'm like, you know what? I need to change this. But it doesn't work that way. You can't do nothing of yourself. It's Christ who works through you. You give it to him. He'll handle it. But sometimes we live in a world where we want to take care of our own problems. We want to take care of our own character flaws. Don't get me wrong. There are some human efforts involved, but there's also divine grace. They go together. Because look, when you see in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do what? Nothing. Without Christ, you cannot do anything. We need the Savior. We need the Savior, folks. And that's why he came. He says, look, I'm going to help you. But the thing is, if, we, if we're getting to a point where we're like, look, we could do this on our own, you're going to drift away just like what happened with Judas. Because if you notice Judas' experience, he was upset when, the, when, when Mary used the uh, money to, uh, to uh, anoint Jesus' feet. He's like, no, 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 we could have used that. He was the treasurer. He, he, he's the one that said, you know what, I want a certain position. Everything that he wanted to do. But yet, the more he was doing that, the more he was drifting away. And Jesus is telling the disciples, look, I am leaving. And we, I don't want you to drift away. So stay connected. Even John, who actually wrote this passage, John, the Reverend, this is the only passage that talks about the vine here. And John is talking from experience. He himself, Jesus, loved John. But we always know John as the, the, lo- the uh, beloved disciple. But you know John had some issues too? You know John was the one that said, you know what, rain down fire from heaven to destroy these people and consume them. John is the one that was debating to see who's going to sit on the right hand of the throne of God. You, see, you, you follow what I'm saying? And here, look what Steps to Christ says in, in page 73. It says, even John, the beloved disciple, the one who most fully reflected the likeness of the Savior, did not naturally possess the lovingness of character. John. He was not only self-assertive and ambitious for honor, but impetuous and resentful under injuries. But as the character of the divine one was manifested to him, he saw his own deficiency and was humbled by the knowledge. The strength and patience, the power and tenderness, the majesty and meekness that he beheld in the daily life of the Son of God filled his soul with admiration and love. Day by day, his heart was drawn out toward Christ until he lost sight of self in love for his master. And she goes further down and says that when Christ abides in the heart, the whole nature is transformed. Christ's spirit, his love softens the heart and subdues the soul and raises the thoughts and desires toward God in heaven. See, John himself, who was not naturally possessed by a loving character, 
who was the one that was saying, look, to, to rain down fire from heaven, who was ambitious to be sitting at the right throne of God, he says, by seeing Christ and how he lived daily, changed and transformed his character. And he started to notice that, look, something is wrong with me. See, that's the, that's the problem. Sometimes we don't want to admit that we have issues. I, I tell you, there was, there was one time, you know, this is when I was in the world, so don't judge me, please. So now, when I had these, I used to have ex-girlfriends, right? And these g- girls used to tell me, Daniel, you don't listen. I'm like, what you mean? I'm listening to you right now. And then the next girl came through, Daniel, you don't listen. I'm like, I don't understand. I'm listening to you right now. Then after another, then it was continual. Everybody's saying the same thing. But then I was looking at myself, I'm like, wait a minute. I don't listen. Then the Lord started showing me that, Daniel, you don't listen. Start listening. When people are saying things, or or, or, are saying things about your character, take a look at it. Because the Lord is trying to reveal something to you. Listen. So, So here the Lord was showing me this is an issue that you need to work on. So the Lord started helping. All of a sudden, now I'm listening. Right, baby? Yes. <laughs> so, so the thing, I'm listening. Amen. So the Bible says, matter of fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says that we need to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. We need to really look into our hearts to see, what care, Lord, show me what flaws do I have. Because remember, the vine dresser, what his purpose is, is to use the pruning knife to remove those things. It's not easy. See, John gives a clear cut between a person who abides and a person who doesn't. Especially when you see that in the book of John and also in the general epistles with John, he, he mentions the word abide and abideth, abideth 23 times. Now, let's go to the first John. First John, let's notice something here. He's going to show us here what does it mean to abide and what does it mean for a person not to abide. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. And notice something here. In verse 19, here he's talking about the people that does, that does not abide. He says in verse 19, actually let's start from verse, actually verse 19, then went out from, from us, but they were not of us, talking about the people that left, for if they had been of us, they would, not, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So here Jesus is, I mean, John is talking about the people that were of us in the church, but because that they were not abiding, they ended up leaving. But look what he says about the people that stays together. Look at verse 24. It says, let that therefore abide in you, which ye heard from the beginning, that if that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. So he says those who remain still continue in the Son and in the Father. 
That's what God is trying to tell us. Remain. Look what John is saying also in John chapter, 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 3. It says, and hereby we do know that, ye, that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. These are the people that don't abide. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. So here, John is also shown again. Those who abide in Christ keep the commandments of God. Those who doesn't, they are a liar and the truth is not within them. Now you say, man, John, this is rough. Right now, what John is doing, he says, "Look, I'm not talking about the uh, uh, the what you call the the expectation." He's basically showing this is the framework that we're working under. This is the result God wants you to have. Okay, this is the goal. Okay, now look at this. This is fascinating here. Look at First John chapter two, First John chapter two and verse ten. He that loveth his brother abideth in the what light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Now, notice verses 9. It says, he that saith he is light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. So those who abide in Christ is in the light. But those who do, who don't abide in Christ are in darkness. Here's another one. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Many of you know this. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. For he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So here, again, John is showing those who abide in the law are not part of the world. They don't do the things of the world. Amen. See, we, we, you, know, you know, the Bible says that we are laid to sin. So we're, we're, our relationship with God, we're 50-50. 50% of the world, 50% with God. That doesn't work with God. He says, look, I want 100%. I want 100%. This one, I know you're abiding with me. See, John, you, you're like, man, John, that's right. Remember, John himself went through that experience. John himself didn't have the character of God. And he says, look, I'm telling you, this is how God wants to present you when he, go, when we, when he takes us home. People that want to, that loves to abide in him. Now, we're, we're going to go a little, a step further. 1 John chapter 3, and look at verse 6. It says, whosoever abideth in him sinneth what? Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither have known him. You're like, wait a minute, hold on, John. <laughs> we sin all the time. So what are you trying to say? See, John is not talking about the exception. He's just talking about the ideal. This is where we should strive for. Because remember, John also said that if we do sin, we have an advocate. Amen. We should say amen to that. We have Jesus. And he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. Amen? So this is what John is trying to tell you. Look, 
if you want to abide in him, leave the world alone. If you want to abide in him, keep his commandments. If you want to abide in him, be in the light. Abide in him. That's what John is sharing here. So this is what's fascinating here. The key to having an abiding relationship, turn me to John chapter 15 again. This is really the gospel John. John chapter 15. This is the key into having an abiding relationship with God. John chapter 15 and verse 7. Is everyone there? All right. Look what it says here. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, this is what's interesting. Basically, what Jesus is saying, in order for you to abide in me, the key into having a relationship with me is by the word of God. By the word of God. That means spending time in God's word. Amen. That means in the morning, you wake up, you spend time in God's word. Have you ever wake up in the morning and you didn't have a devotional life? And how, how's your day going during that time when you don't have a devotional? It's not going well, isn't it? Right? It's not going too well. And you're like wondering what is going on. And you forget that you have, you, you didn't spend that time. Matter of fact, she says in Substance Christ, page 70, she says, consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Let your prayer be, take me, O Lord, as holy thine. Thus, day by day, you may be given your life into the hands of God, and thus your life will be molded more and more after the, after the life of Christ. So the more you get in God's word, the more he will shape you and mold you to reflect Jesus Christ. So that means... If you see that people are going astray or yourself is going astray, you're starting to drift away, that means there's something wrong with that connection with God. I remember when I was in Virginia, when I moved to the country, I was going through my roller coaster because the Lord had to remove the city life out of me. Okay, so that's why he put me in the country. All right? So the thing is, what's interesting, the pastor, I was, I, I didn't, I was hardly going to church because I was just like, man, this is a rough life here in the country. You know, everything is shut down at a certain time. Things is just not happening the way I want it to. So he, and when I was, t- I, went, I met with the pastor and I said, man, I'm just struggling. And he, and this is the first thing he said. He said, so how's your devotion life? What they got to do with anything? So I'm like fussing with him, like, why you got to ask me that question? Basically, you see the conviction is right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I wasn't having a devotional life. And that's the first thing he asked. How's your devotion? How's your, how's your time with the Lord? And then it, it just hit me. I was like, man, this is why things are not happening the way it is, because I'm not spending time in God's word. You know, the thing is, when you're spending time in God's word and in prayer and in Bible study in the morning, it's a relationship that the Lord wants to have with you. Amen? Because the Bible says God is love. And in love, there's a relationship going on. And, you know, I, I, I think about that just like, just, you know, I, I shared this with the other church. It's like my marriage with, with my wife. We've been married two years so far. Uh, October, this past October, we made our second anniversary. But, you know, prior to my wife, I was living in my apartment by myself, right? And then I got married, she came. 
And then when she came, because, you know, when I was going, going, you know, I was coming home from work prior, you know, I just was doing my own thing. So I came home, and here's my wife, and she asked a question. How was your day? I'm like, oh, man, you got to be kidding me, Lord. I got to answer this question. How, how's your day? She wants to have a conversation with me. You see, and remember, this is what happens in a relationship. You have to have a conversation. I'm like, well, I didn't expect this. Because usually I come home, I'm just, just quiet. <laughs> you know what I mean? How's the question? So I said, okay, this is what I'm going to think about. I'm going to give a one-word answer. Good. And then she was like, what do you mean by good? <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. Okay, so I got to go into more. You know, she wants details. She wants the highs and lows, what happened during the day and all these things. Right? Yeah, I know the ladies and the men, I'm sorry. But that's, that's what happens, right? But that's the relationship God wants to have with us. He wants details. So I started, you know, I, after, after a while, I started to learn that I need to talk more. I need to share more about my day. And then she shares about her day. And then we go to sleep. <laughs> okay? But what's fascinating is that I noticed that while in the beginning it was rough because I was like, man, I don't, wanna, I don't really want to talk about my day. But it started, we started to, like, drift. But then I started really like, wait a minute, what am I doing? I need to work on this. Then we started to get, get close. That's how it is with God. If you're not connected with God's word, you're going to drift further and further away while God wants to communicate with you in the morning. He wants you to talk to him. Matter of fact, when you look in the sanctuary, right, the sanctuary, and you know the altar of incense represent the prayer of the saints. They say scholars have said that the high priest love to go to the, to, the, um, to the altar of incense. Why? Because they know behind the curtain is the presence of God. So the prayer life in the morning, the devotion life, is when you are closest to God. That's why the high priest like to go in the altar of incense. So here, this is what Jesus is telling them. Look, by the word, you'll be clean. By the word. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse, 5, verse 12. Turn me to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 real quick. Hebrews chapter 4. And many of you know this text. Hebrews chapter 4. And verse 12. Is everyone there? See, we have to understand that the, the vine dresser's pruning knife is the word of God. Right? Look what it says in verse 12. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See, the word of God is his knife. The word of God is showing us this is what he wants to remove so you can reflect him. This is what he wants to remove to mold you and shape you to have the fruit of the Spirit. That's the vine dresser's knife. Now, folks, sometimes it's uncomfortable. But praise the Lord, he's doing this because he loves us. And we're going to see in a minute why he does this. 
So here, we, and Jesus said himself, we, um, when it's talking about the fruit, because remember, it says that the, they, were, they shall bear fruit. This is what we're talking about as Paul talking about the fruit of the Spirit, right? And Jesus said himself, we shall know them by their, what? Fruits. You know, there's, there's this author, I was reading on, uh, you know, vine dressers and, and what they do in their um, daily routines with um, taking care of the vines and the grapes. And it's interesting, the author asked this lady who's a vine dresser, and she was, she's about 75 years old, she had a, a tremendous experience. She says, how do you know when the grapes are ready? So the vine dresser said that the vine dresser held the grape up to the light, she holds the grapes up. She said, see, the less ripe grapes have a kind of opaque skin, and the ripe ones is more transparent. So she holds it up to the light. She says, look, this is how you know. They will be transparent. That means people will see the character of God. That's why the Lord... All of them is playing a role in this. All of them is playing a role for the salvation of souls because they want the world to see. Look, they are reflecting my character. That's why we got to think about when he's removing all these things. Yes, it doesn't feel good. But folks, the end result is going to be a blessing. Because remember, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 14 that the Son of Man is going to come down with a sickle. Right? What is he using the sickle for? To gather the harvest. Those who are ripe. So all the process and all the the things that God is removing, he says, look, I'm going to gather you, I'm going to take you home and show the universe, look, they're ready. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's what Jesus says, look, stay connected. This is what I'm going to do with you. I don't want you to become those other branches that's going to be burned. Like, look, Jesus was straight. As you wither away, This is what will happen. So stay connected. This is what Steps to Christ says, page 74. It says, henceforth, through the Spirit, Christ was able to abide continually in the hearts of of his children. Their union with him was closer than when he was personally with them. The light and love and power of the indwelling Christ shone out through them, so that men beholding marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they have been with Jesus. Folks, wherever we are, that's how we should look. Matter of fact, because she, she said, look, they even shun more after Christ went to heaven because of the Holy Spirit indwelling in them. So wherever we are in our jobs, we need to reflect Jesus. If we are in school, we need to reflect Jesus. Even when we're in church, <laughs> we need to reflect Jesus. Amen. It's supposed to be in church, <laughs> you know. But we're supposed to reflect Jesus. Stay connected. Is it your desire? As you see the experience here that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 15, because remember at the end, he says, look, if you stay this way, he says, your joy shall be full. Your joy shall be full. Is it your desire? to let Jesus dwell within your heart that you may abide in him forever. Is that your desire? Raise your hand. The Father in heaven, Lord, we are so blessed that you gave us this illustration, Lord, to 
Help us to learn these lessons that we can apply in our daily lives. Father, like the experience of John, Father, we know that we have issues within our characters. But Father, as, he, as the pen of inspiration said that daily he looked at the character of Christ and he started to change. And Father, shape us and mold us and help us to reflect you. Let the world see that Christ is in us. Father, forgive us, Lord, where we have fallen short. Forgive us for the mistakes. Forgive us, Lord, for the, 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 the scenes that people will see that, that are not reflecting your character. I pray, Father, that we can be those who are ripe and you can gather us home. Continue to guide us throughout this day, Lord, and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.